So in some way, they're almost one and the same in that the, the number one question and uh, sort of advice being asked is around how do kids access gaming and esports from a schools or university kind of perspective? Because that's where, you know, the education is really taking place and that if we're driving it as an educational opportunity and career prospects out of that, they're asking, you know, where where is that and how is that taking place? And and in much the same way, you know, the flip side of it is, is we see that as one of the biggest opportunities and the quickest way we can hit the ground running by trying to provide uh, the support necessary to schools and universities to set up gaming and esports clubs and to start giving them some form of infrastructure, competitive leagues and education elements to get them excited and to get them up and running with no investment required from them, with free tools and free access to education material to allow them to start looking at at gaming and esports as an add-on to the way that the schools and universities have always operated. And across the continent, some some schools and universities are already doing uh, uh, things within the space and have developed teams. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, a lot of schools have had sort of uh, computer clubs and computer and coding and, you know, have looked at that. But it's really taking that to more of the gaming and the esports side and trying to define it as something that has athletic intent coming out of it and giving uh, competitive uh, athletic opportunities and at the same time then building out the, the career opportunities by, by educating and, and showing all the, the multitude of, of opportunities that are available. So we're, we're trying to solve that problem. We, we're investing in uh, a number of platforms and programs to try and take something to schools and universities. And we've had some initial discussions about it. And as we take things forward, you know, your experience and your offerings and your partners, partnering is, is something we would, we would definitely love to lean on and, uh, you know, try and, and look at, you know, even at some stage, you know, university leagues across Africa versus the states competing and, you know, having sort of intercontinental type of, of championships and opportunities. And certainly kids across Africa see scholarship opportunities in esports in uh, not just the States, but globally, opportunities to get, you know, uh, further education based on just being really, really great at a game. So that's that's where the challenge is and, and that's where the opportunity is. And, and that's, what, that's what we're focused on, on trying to solve. My name is Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to my masterclass. I have a PhD in education from West Virginia University. I have a master's in sport management and an MBA from the University of Massachusetts. I even have an undergraduate degree in sociology from William Patterson University. And currently, I'm the global scholar practitioner at HBCU, Florida Memorial University. But I also work for three of the largest sports brands in the world, Reebok, Champ Sports, and Foot Action. But I can't go anywhere without my Jordan 1s. Join me and my guests as we explore their rise to the top through adversity and challenges. It's time to help you find a hero in you. Welcome to my masterclass. Welcome to another edition of Dr. Mark's Masterclass. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Williams, and the place to be. Yes, I'm still practicing social distancing. I got on my Esports Future Eye podcast network. This is my mask here, 
and this is beautifully done. And my 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 good friend Lewis Johnson, who's also a colleague of mine here at the Esports Future Right Podcast Network, gave me this. It's, it's, it's made, handmade, and it's beautiful. I like this. And he's always making sure that I'm practicing social distancing, always drinking my water, staying hydrated, my friends. And I'm not, I guess, is this a, a shameless plug to planners because I eat these roasted peanuts a lot? Yes. So anyway, you know, can't go anywhere without my Jordan 1s. I'm rocking those all the time. And what am I wearing today? This big WV. This is where I attended and got my PhD at West Virginia University. Yes, and I'm rocking the Golden State Warriors hat. I just, I, the first thing I saw to put on my head when I walked out, I got to give a shout out to Steve Kerr, head coach Steve Kerr. Mad love to him. I love this cat. I don't know him well at all. I met him one time, but I'm really good friends with Ron Brown, coach Ron Brown and Mike Brown and Ron Adams. Ron Adams is the, he was the NBA uh, coach of the year assistant coach of the year, three years in a row, three years in a row, coach Ron Brown. Yes. Oh my God. Let's do this whole thing over. Cause I'm saying Ron, Ron Adams, not Ron Brown. Okay. Let's do this over. All right. Let's go over again. Cause he's going to kill me. If I say that he's like, Mark, how do you not know my name? And I'm like, I'm your friend. Right. So let's do this again. All right. We'll run it back. Here we go. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Dr. Mark's Masterclass. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Williams. I am here. Yes, I've got my Golden State Warriors Scully on, and I've got my Esports Future Eye Podcast Network. This is by my dear friend, Lewis Johnson, who's a colleague of mine and is a broadcast journalist. He made this, not just for me, but he made a lot of these, and he wanted me to have one. So, Lewis, shout out to Lewis. Thank you so much, brother, for this. I'm practicing social distancing always, my friends. This is so important all around the world. And we have someone today, our special guest is an international person from another continent. And we'll tell you about him in a second. But again, practicing social distancing when I came in, I wore this today. Also, you know, I'm always drinking my water to stay hydrated. I'm encouraging you all to drink water. You can drink other things if you like. That's great. But always drink water. At least eight to 10 ounces a day will be great for you. You know, I'm rocking my Jordan 1s always and always got to give props to my Jordan 1s. But again, I want to thank everyone who's been so supportive of this show. And everyone that believes in me, I'm representing my alma mater today as well, West Virginia University, WV. This is on my chest here. Shout out to Bob Huggins, Coach Huggins, Coach Harrison. Bob Huggins is one of the top five all-time winningest basketball coaches ever. Yes. And I had the privilege and privilege to work with him when I was doing my doctorate. He gave me a, gave me a chance to work with the men's basketball team and do some professional development. And shout out to Coach Harrison for, for creating that relationship with Coach Huggins, legendary Coach Huggins. Love those guys down at West Virginia. And I'm looking forward to seeing him win some more games this year so he can be get his thousands win in the next next year or two. But anyway, why are we here today? Man, we're here because we are on the Esports Futurize Podcast Network. That's why, my friends. Yes, and you know what's powered by Innovation Media Enterprises? And that's my friends, my good friends. Erin and Sia, two amazing sisters, two amazing women that have this amazing podcast company. And I, I just, I'm just in awe of them all the time. But I also get excited by my man, AJ, on the Wheels of Steel. Yeah, he's not a DJ, but he's a sound engineer. So he's kind of like the Wheels of Steel. You know, my man, AJ, graduated last year. Uh, amazing young man. I can't wait to see what kind of career he has. It always makes me look good, makes me feel good. But none of this will be possible without Jacob Miles III. Not the first, not the second, but the third. Jacob Miles III. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. God bless you for giving me this wonderful opportunity to do this podcast. And yes, I got my Golden State Warriors hat on. Now you say, am I a Golden State Warrior fan? 
Well, let's just say I'm a fan of different people on the team. I love Coach Steve Kerr. Has Coach Steve Kerr. He's uh, amazing. I love his politics. I love the way he he speaks about people. He's just a people person. It's not about, it's not, I shouldn't even say politics. I'll say I like the way he speaks. He's just a good man. And I love him. But I love Mike Brown. You know, Mike Brown, legendary Mike Brown. He, he coached with coached with LeBron, coached with LeBron. And he also coached uh, Kobe Bryant. Yes. And he's a first assistant coach. And I also got to give a shout out to my main man, Coach Ron Adams. Ron Adams, I had a pleasure of meeting him ooh, a few years ago at a Houston Rockets Warriors playoff game. And he's just been an amazing friend. And he introduced me to Coach Mike Brown one day. And we're in text messaging all the time. We te- we're in group text messaging I'm like, every other day or so. And they're just beautiful people. But Coach Ron Adams, look, look I, I'm rocking the Warriors. It's the only NBA hat I will wear is the Warriors. And I plan on going to see them play this year. But they've become, they've been part of my heart now because of them. And I'm a big Steph Curry fan. And at some point, yes, I'm going to sit down and break some bread. But my man and the team but right now I want to give a shout out to Coach Adams Coach Brown the Warriors team we pray that you have a great season and but today I got somebody very special I know everyone's special yes everyone I bring on but this guy is extremely special because this man is someone that I've come to admire I had the privilege of getting to know him a little bit a few months ago when I was invited to uh, speak at the African Games Esports Conference Yes, we, but I didn't go to Africa, unfortunately. I would like to go back to Africa. But uh, during the pandemic, as you know, a lot of conferences that normally would happen has, has, has you know, happened later on, you know, and they were on uh, Zoom and, and we were able to still have these conferences. And so I wound up speaking at 11 conferences this fall and eight of them were international conferences. And I think two were on the continent of Africa, which is pretty <laughs> amazing. And I, I never thought... That I mean, I, I've had people tell me, hey, Mark, you know, Ron Freeman, for example, he was a, a 1968 Olympian. He lives in Madagascar. And uh, he always tells me, you know, Mark, you need to do more things on the continent. You, I'm sorry, Mark, you need to do things on the continent, not more things, but you need to do things on the continent as well as other uh, continents because you're not a local guy. You're not just, a, you know, American. You are a global guy. People know you all around the world. So take your brand and expand it. Empower, educate, and inspire people from other countries. And I said, you know what? I need to do that. And then this one day I get a, a tweet from his brother named Kofi that's out in, in Africa. And he says to me, Mark, I really would love for you to be a part of this African Games. And I said, well, what is this African Games esports conference? And he says, well, this gentleman, uh, Kevin Meltzer, he's from Big Five Big Five Game, and he he's the person putting this together. So I emailed uh, Kevin and Kevin didn't hesitate. He said, I'd be honored. I'd love to have you participate. And I don't, and he can tell you more about the conference and who participated, but I don't, I don't know that I, I think I'm the only, may have been the only American participating. Even if, even if I wasn't, I'm sure I was one of maybe a few, but the point was I got a chance to, to be connected to my African brothers and sisters that are very uh, connected to the esports space. And again, if you're an American and you're just focusing on your games and you're, you're a casual fan, you may not know what's going on internationally. You know, and I think that a lot of times when things go on on the continent of Africa, a lot of a lot of us in America and other countries are ignorant to it. We don't know. We don't pay attention to other countries and other cultures, and we should because they they are in the same planet as we are, and we need to embrace each other, no matter where you live at. And and so I I one of one of the things I want to see something really special about Kevin. Kevin, he lives in uh, Johannesburg. And, you know, as a person of color, 
that lives in America, especially a black American. Many of you know, obviously know about the slave trade and you know that we were robbed of our cultural land and, and brought to America. And But I, again, I didn't live back then. At the same time, I live in America and I have to embrace what I live in America. When I th- see things in America that I don't like, I, I say what I, I say how I feel, right? And so a lot of black Americans, when they hear of someone from Johannesburg or uh, South, anyone, anywhere in South Africa, they automatically think about the apartheid. They automatically think about Mandela. They automatically think of anyone white in, in that country, that part of the world, that they're either evil or something. And you, you no, 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 that's not the case. Even if they're black, they don't, we don't, we don't understand the African country, the culture. We don't understand the continent in America a lot, unfortunately. But we're going to break it down for you today because today, yeah, we're going to talk esports, but we're going to talk about culture. A lot of that has to do with how we communicate with each other. Now, why am I, why this monologue so long? Well, I just want to make sure that by the time we finish this episode of, of, of this episode, that you will become more enriched, that you'll become more learned, and you'll be more interested in the continent of Africa and also interested in, in my man, uh, Kevin Meltzer, because he's someone that is to be reckoned with. And what I love about him, no matter where he lives at, is that he's very patient. He's very knowledgeable. He's uh, very thoughtful and he loves human beings, the human race. And that's what I love about him. And that's what I hope and pray that 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 people all around the world will evolve to because we, we haven't evolved there yet. We're not there yet. We have a lot of work to do. And I think by having these kind of dialogues with each other is so important. When you talk to someone who is from a different culture, a different race, a different gender, a different sexual orientation, you need to listen, listen to them. And get to know them and understand them. And the more you understand and know people, guess what? The better opportunities there are going to be for us and the human race. And I just want to continue to put positive energy back in the universe. So without further ado, let me introduce my dear friend, Kevin Meltzer. He's from, Johannesburg. he's from Zimbabwe, but he currently lives in Johannesburg. And I think he's, I think, I'm trying to remember, I think he says his wife used to live in Miami, but we can talk to him about that. He's a CEO and co-founder of Big Five Games, and he is a proud graduate of the University of Cape Town. Let me give it up to my dear friend, brother Kevin Meltzer. What's up, brother? How are you? Thank you, Dr. Mark. It's uh, great to be here and a uh, very kind introduction for me. So, so thank you. It's, uh, it's good to reconnect again and, and to be joining you in your podcast today. So thanks for having me. Yes, yes, sir. Now, now tell me, I want to make sure I got this right. I think we talked about your wife. She, 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 she's from, she lived in Miami? She did live in Miami. When, when I met her, she was living in Miami, but she's originally from Detroit, so, you know, I, I have a strong connection across to the States, of course, and my, my daughter is both American and also South African. She's dual citizenship. Wow. So, so connected to, to the States strongly. So very happy to have these conversations and try and explore working relationships between the States and Africa. You know, that, that, that drives my, my, my initiatives and my, my family's kind of, kind of view it as well. And to your point, you, you, had, you had me thinking, you, you're right, you were the only person, uh, the only American joining us in, in our games and esports conference, our careers day event that we were doing. You were the only person that was, that was American, representing America and, and bringing something to it. And, and it was a good way for us to, to meet and, and, and connect and, and bond because it was something uh, quite important and, and quite relevant uh, and achievable in the time of COVID that we could just, you know, bring you in magically to a conference that we wouldn't have had you participating in, you know, a year ago or, or more. So tell me, tell everybody about, you know, your your desire to 
want to connect, especially in America, but but connect cultures and uh, continents. What what drives you to do that? I mean, because you your wife is from Detroit, so you're American. Your daughter was born there, and uh, you live in Johannesburg. I mean, you're you're just uh, you're a Renaissance man. So what where did that come from? So my daughter was actually born here in Johannesburg in South Africa. And, and we, we, we've lived here, I've lived in Johannesburg for a number of years, but as you did say in, in the introduction, I, I come from Zimbabwe originally, I was born in Harare, and I, I grew up there. And, you know, you, you grew up in a different time there in a very remote pre-internet type of world, you know, in a, in a landlocked country in, in Africa. And that was what gave me my, my formative uh, years and, and, and education. And, and you know, what was important in, in growing up then, what, what sort of defined my career and got me connected, I, I guess, was having access to gaming, having an Atari console at an early age, fortunately, that my parents managed to get for myself and, and my brother and us to play. And so early on, we started playing, we started connecting with, with others that were interested and had a common kind of passion. And that got us uh, really comfortable in myself with, with technology and technology businesses and that led me to to go on and 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 you know get a, a university education and move into the internet and and technology space and, and all of that led to uh, eventually coming to to doing games full time as a as a as a company and, and our company Big Five Games is a is a mobile games and esports company uh, operating across Africa and there are two sides of our business we've connected on the one side the other side is. Um, what we started doing, which was mobile games that were fantasy leagues, fantasy football, score prediction, trivia quiz games. And we worked with a number of big brands and big corporates in using those games to connect their fans to to these events and, and to these brands. And that's what also piqued an interest when we were looking at esports of having esports games to, to build a, a fan base in games and in esports and that's what triggered another side of our business, which became an esports and, and video game side, because our mobile games company that I talk of is, is not video games per se. Obviously, fantasy leagues and you know prediction games are games, but the video games and esports side came about and we we developed some competency and some offerings in that. Some of them focused on the education space, and that was where you you, you engaged with us. We had an event that we ran last year that we, we, we did this year as a virtual event, as, as you said. And we went from doing a, a games and esports careers day just in Johannesburg, limited to an audience here, to turning it into an Africa games and esports careers day and being able to bring in a number of, of participants across the continent instead of it just being focused in, in Johannesburg with, with, our, with our speakers as, as we've done the year before. And that was the magic of, of having you participate with us because, you know, we, we wouldn't have been able to do that before. So, so that's one side of it. And what we're trying to do there is we're, we're trying to drive the fact that the games esports industry is a massive business. There are uh, a number of very viable career opportunities within that space. And we wanted to show the youth across Africa where the opportunities were, let them hear from industry experts and pioneers in the space uh, to share their careers and how they've uh, defined their careers and where they see the next biggest opportunities. And uh, we hope that that event, and we'll be doing it again, and we hope you'll participate again and we'll grow it and, and make it a bigger event, but will serve as a kind of careers day, careers fest uh, to being a, a job fest of sorts. 
and start introducing real career opportunities for the youth of Africa because it's it's one of the most unique industries and career opportunities in the fact that it is it is virtual and it's mobile from day one and, and you know allows anyone from Harare, Zimbabwe as an example, to find a career in, you know, Miami in the States. Have you have you have you what's your what is your what is your timeline of putting together an event maybe with Johannesburg and let's say Miami or an esports competition. Cause you know, well, it's a lot, you're people need to, okay. So everyone understand that the infrastructure and on the continent, it depends on what part of, of Africa, you know, there's, they're really focused on mobile game, mobile gaming as opposed to the console games. And I'm not sure if, if, if there's going to be any in the future, as far as console, is it going to be mostly mobile games when you guys compete? Or would there, would there ever be any console opportunities or PC? Or was, it's mostly mobile, right? So the, the majority of, of people on the continent will access games via mobile. And uh, that will be the dominant option for us. And that's why mobile esports is really the opportunity for Africa. And you know our desire to see mobile esports be taken more seriously because it, it gives us the opportunity to compete without the cost associated of, of PCs and, and consoles. But the important thing to recognize just around uh, the continent is there are, are different games and there are different platforms uh, that are, are, are successful, relevant in, in different countries. So coming from South Africa, there has been a large PC-based esports uh, focus and gaming is often seen as, as PC and console. Whereas when you you look into North Africa, into Nigeria, as an example, the majority would be mobile and there would be different games that uh, would be popular and and, and become successful. But the common denominator will be mobile games and people being able to play and compete across the continent Mm. and then start having those uh, opportunities to participate globally. So, you know, for your audience, it's as important to know about what's going on in esports and gaming in the States as it is in in Africa, because the next best competitor is probably going to be coming out of Africa, and the next biggest team is going to be coming out of here. And there are you know a, a large pop, a population opportunity here, and a digitally connected uh, community. And the fact that a lot of the barriers that we have that you mentioned are are starting to come down. And you know what what I, I love and I think forward is will be removed in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to grasp now. But data is expensive, as an example, and it's hard to connect in Africa. But in the future, that's going to be almost free. The data and the connectivity will be there. Five, 10, 15, 20 years out, we can we can take it out. But that barrier will come down dramatically and allow people to, to have easier access. It's going to come from space. It's going to come from fiber optic. It's going to come from different options. But at the moment, it's expensive to connect and uh, fiber and high-speed access and the cost of data, the cost, cost of a meg and a gig is, is prohibitive mm-hmm. in a lot of places and a lot of countries. So, so, so that's a, a key barrier. And, you know, the cost, obviously, of games and buying a game and affording a game is, is a key barrier, which is why the free games have been so successful and, and will continue to be successful. It's, I'm talking very much from an Africa-centric perspective that mm-hmm. people will, will be able to have access to play those games without paying. And then obviously if they can afford, you know, to invest in the game and, and pay in people, people will do that and they'll try and excel and as best they can. So, so that's, you know, what I see as, as some of the unique 
things. And, and to your original question, what kind of got me really interested in community and connecting, because I think the games world and the games platform can do more for Africa than many other uh, opportunities and, and many other uh, areas that, that we've focused on historically. So tell me, so we, there's a lot to unpack here because a lot of people, you know, I think, I think you know that my dad taught African studies and U.S. history for 39 years. And so my perspective about the continent is a little different from the average person. It's great that people now are, as, as Americans say, affectionately that they're woke now when they when they when we refer to being conscious and learning about some of the issues that face black Americans and, and America and as well as globally. I was woke in the womb. I had to be. And I remember met a brother from Niger, I think, I think a year or two ago, and he was asking me for directions and we were just talking and and he says he was telling me where he was from. He says, you know, I, he was trying to describe where he was from. And I said, yeah, West Africa. And he was like, oh, my goodness. How, how, how do you know that? And I'm like, um, because I read. <laughs> and he was like, well, you don't understand that that black Americans, and he wasn't stereotyping. He was saying that some black Americans that I meet and even white Americans, they, they don't know anything about Africa. They think that we have a bone in our nose. We ride on horse and on elephants. And I said, no, I said, you're West Africa. And I was naming a different countries in West Africa. He was like, and he literally broke down in the airport and he like had a, he, he hugged me like for a long time. He said, thank you brother for believing and knowing and being educated. This man cried in my arms, man. He's six foot five black man. Okay. Cried in my arms because, and I get this reaction, not crying all the time. I get this, this, this bewilderment of people from the continent that are shocked when I describe where they're, where, where they're at in the continent. Cause I know geography since I was five, my dad made us read the almanac when I'm five years old, five year old reading the almanac. I'm not playing checkers or out playing hopscotch or whatever. I'm reading the almanac at five because my dad wanted us to know um, the continent. He wanted us to know the the countries, especially in Africa. And and so to me, it's not a big deal. And why, why do you think so many, I don't even say Americans, I'll say people in general don't really pay attention and know a grasp geography, but particularly around the continent of Africa? Why are people so not aware? It's a good question. I, I think historically it was to do with lack of access to information. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not having, you know, the, the access to the internet and easy search and, you know, the education system supporting that and people being able to, to access that information was probably a, a limitation. And, and I think we've probably tipped now where even though all that information is available, because, you know, you could street view as an example outside my, my house if you want. If you wanted to see what it's like where I live, you can Google street view right now. Mm. Drop outside and say, I can see your house, you know. And so you have that kind of ability. But uh, I think that the problem is there's so much distraction and noise out there and other things competing for our attention that we've kind of tipped away from that of, of trying to understand and get deeper into, into areas or, or, or learning more around sort of other countries that are out there. And I think that in the, the games world is, is maybe a great way that that actually is, is remedied because of the fact that you're bringing people and, and players and games from all across the world mm -hmm. and people are getting to engage with those. So what, what, we, what we've been looking forward to, and, and we've had a, a number of games that I would define as being successful coming out of South Africa, but as a, as a really globally successful African game mm -hmm. that includes, you know, some African history and characters that builds on, on the deep history and gaming that we have and, and culture. 
and that becoming a successful game and, and defining a big studio in the continent and, and telling a story and people get get to know that it, it's 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 often referred to as the Wakanda type of, of game and people talk around that as the futuristic sort of African kind of view, something that's completely anti the stereotype mm-hmm. and gives people a new kind of perspective around uh, what what what's happening in, in in Africa and the continent and 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 that'll come you know it's just a matter of time with the more studios that are doing it because what we have is the stories and the history and the culture here that is 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 really very unique and we have you know animals as an example that are you know very unique and all of this can be brought to to the fore other other people can do that and other studios can do that and and people are looking to do that of course across the world but you know there will be the african studios that are, are will do that mm-hmm. and more and more of them are are you know becoming successful and more and more uh, uh competitors from an esports perspective in africa are starting to get out there and compete internationally and that'll drive kind of interest in in wow you know where's this team from out of egypt who are they you know what's happening in egypt and you know it's incredible that there is a team coming out of egypt and you know, mm. people would start to, to look at and kind of understand and and when those stories get told people will understand the challenges to overcome the, the the lack of connectivity the lack of data you know the lack of funding the lack of parental support mm. you know number one really that needs to be there which is why our careers day focus was so important to talk to parents as, as well as kids and to try and say to them that you know this is not just time wasting spending time on the computer and i know your kids are spending a lot of time in front of screens right now but they are opportunities there are digital skills there's stem there's steam there's there's great opportunities of 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 you know development and try and get them on board and 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 kind of supporting at the same time but that's also a barrier in africa when i think about that was well, a barrier as a barrier in america too <laughs> it's a barrier sure. everywhere i think parents sure. are all around the world uh, a lot of parents are frustrated and kind of like why is my son or daughter playing this game and when I explain to parents within five minutes, it takes five minutes for me to do this uh, without video. Five minutes I can explain to a parent about the opportunities educationally as well as career-wise of what their son or daughter could do when I name the different majors and how it applies to esports and video games. They lose their minds. Do I think that that having a doctor in front of my name helps? Sometimes it does. But for the most part, for me to be able to articulate to a parent that their son or daughter is not wasting their time, not by just playing the game, but if they have an interest in the video game industry, period, and they and they have a certain you know interest in, in math, science, engineering, STEAM, or whatever it is, if it, it could be music, that there's a place for your son or daughter. I think that 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 warms the heart of a lot of parents. As right now, the most important thing is once you get the parent to understand about what the possibilities are, and then the child is playing games consistently. Only thing you have to worry about now is it just you know how do you re- how do you find some balance with your child as far as the num- the number of hours that they play the game versus the uh, number of hours that they dedicate towards their school. So, th- so there's got to be balance. What is your one of one of your challenges that uh, you have when you're explaining to parents about careers? That's first part of the question. Second part is what do you think the bigger the, some of the bigger the big opportunities that you've seen that you have right now to and enhance it in terms of things that are easy for you when you talk to parents, things that are challenges and things that, are, that, are, that work quickly with parents. What are those two things? So in some way, they're almost one and the same in that the, the number one question and sort of advice being asked is around how do kids access gaming and esports from a schools or university kind of perspective. 
because that's where, you know, the education is really taking place and that if we're driving it as an educational opportunity and career prospects out of that, they're asking, you know, where where is that and how is that taking place? And and in much the same way, you know, the flip side of it is, is we see that as one of the biggest opportunities and the quickest way we can hit the ground running by trying to provide uh, the support necessary to schools and universities to set up gaming and esports clubs and to start giving them some form of infrastructure, competitive leagues and education elements to get them excited and to get them up and running with no investment required from them, with free tools and free access to education material to allow them to start looking at at gaming and esports as an add-on to the way that the schools and universities have always operated. And across the continent, some some schools and universities are already doing uh, uh, things within the space and have developed teams. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, a lot of schools have had sort of uh, computer clubs and computer encoding and, you know, have looked at that. But it's really taking that to more of the gaming and the esports side and trying to define it as something that has athletic intent coming out of it and giving uh, competitive uh, athletic opportunities and at the same time then building out the, the career opportunities by, by educating and, and showing all the, the multitude of, of opportunities that are available. So we're, we're trying to solve that problem. We, we're investing in uh, a number of platforms and programs to try and take something to schools and universities. And we've had some initial discussions about it. And as we take things forward, you know, your experience and your offerings and your partners, partnering is, is something we would, we would definitely love to lean on and, uh, you know, try and, and look at, you know, even at some stage, you know, university leagues across Africa versus the states competing and, you know, having sort of intercontinental type of, of championships and opportunities. And certainly kids across Africa see scholarship opportunities in esports in uh, not just the States, but globally as uh, opportunities to get, you know, uh, further education based on just being really, really great at a game. So that's, that's where the challenge is and, and that's where the opportunity is. And, and that's, what, that's what we're focused on, on trying to solve. What do you see as an as a, as a opportunity short term? We, we talked about education when we were doing the conference. How do you see me helping or contributing to creating some sort of collaboration with the continent or even Johannesburg in terms of education? What can we do in the short term to bridge the gap? Certainly, I would say helping on the uh, content side and the education components. So, uh, you know, the best players talking around how to be the best player, uh, gaming clubs talking around and sharing ideas and content and curriculum and things that have worked for them, for us to, you know, have access to that information to try and make it available to uh, people that want to uh, engage with it in, uh, across Africa and uh, trying to find a way to bring the expertise and how much further you guys are down the track than we are when it comes to, to gaming and esports. And, 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 I, and I want to emphasize it's more games than esports. Mm. So the idea here is to get more and more kids excited about the games world and playing games and participating in games. And naturally, those that want to compete and get serious about it and really want to dive into it as a, as a competitive you know, athletic type of offering, we want to make sure the opportunity is there for them and we want to make sure that it gets recognized on, on the same level as, as any other sporting code would be recognized by, by those schools. So in some way, 
the 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 access to uh, the the people, the partners, the knowledge, the masterclasses that you have there can help us dramatically because when we add that into our offering when we're talking to a school, they're not getting that in another sporting code, let's say. So when it comes to soccer, football, um, soccer for us and, and for you here, you know, we, we can't bring in Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo to come in and do a masterclass and speak to those kids. We can, right. we can pull that off in esports, right? Yeah. We can find a, a player in one of the top teams and get right. them to run a class for us or to do a quick video high to the schools, to the, the guys and, and things like that. It's, it's totally accessible. It, it's not the same in some of the other kind of areas. And that's why I see this as the biggest opportunity is all the other things, be it soccer or basketball, there's limitations involved as far as being part of that global community. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't exist in the games and esports world. Is, uh, so right now the, the big sports, cricket, rugby, soccer, you know, Kaiser Chiefs, Orlando Pirates. Uh, see, I, I know I know my people, see. What 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 do you think? Because I want to dive into this too. Because there's so many things unpacked with you, and I know we got to bring you back to talk again because it's fascinating. Just 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 for the audience to really learn about, you know, what's going on in infrastructure in Africa, and learning that it's it's not the same as America when it comes to you know having broadband and you focusing so much on mobile gaming. There in, in America, in certain parts of America, PC is huge, but in, in disadvantaged communities and rural communities, obviously uh, the console, you know, PlayStation, Xbox are, are the are the main source. But for the most part, uh, the people that that really are competitive gamers are PC and you know, PC. I mean, I think the 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 mobile gaming industry is what almost twenty billion dollar brand, a twenty twenty million dollar industry, and and I know what people don't understand even though china is is right now seven eight billion you know in terms of in terms of them generating that much the the next big opportunity is the continent of africa in terms of what's next what's what's, what's next and so I'm, I'm curious to know you know everybody knows the famous story about uh, the world cup and adiba and how he embraced that how would how would madiba those of you who don't know who madiba is okay nelson mandela Okay. Yes, Mandela. Yes, or Mandela. Effectively, he's known affectionately as Madiba as well. How would he embrace esports if he were alive today? Sure. So I think he would. He would love it. So I think he was very forward-thinking in everything that he kind of saw. And actually, where he saw the future were the kids. That was his greatest kind of joy and passion. That's why the, the legacy of him is the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund. That's that's the the biggest fundraising you know activity that that stands for his name and and still does does so much good. And I think he would have seen quite quickly around the opportunity for technology and then the games kind of industry and and, and esports kind of world as being a a great opportunity for kids. He was a great believer in the power of sports to bring unity to a, a country. He did that with the Rugby World Cup. He was iconic in putting on the shirt of the South African team and and coming out while South Africa went on to win that uh, World Cup. And he was a great believer in, in what sport could do and help bring the World Cup to, to South Africa. And the World Cup was an incredible event when it took place here and I think was also a great eye-opener for the rest of the world to see us pull off something on such a high caliber, very professional, everything worked perfectly and see that Africa could deliver something on, on that level. South Africa had already done those kind of events, but it was really great that the, the World Cup uh, took place. And, and, I, and I saw with that something very unique that I often like to share around the way that Africa kind of uh, pulls together and works together. 
And you mentioned two great clubs there, Orlando Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs, two of the biggest clubs in, in South Africa. And when they play, their fans can be next to each other and there's no animosity, there's fun and jovial activities between them rather than, you know, animosity. And people can, we can do that in football, whereas that's not so easy to do in other sports around, around the world. And what I saw with the, the World Cup was there were a number of African teams participating and the view from all the fans is if my team goes out, I'm going to back, you know, Cameroon or mm. I'm going to back Senegal, I'm going to choose another team that I'm just going to back. And we could all get behind the fact that these were teams from Africa. Mm. You know, it wasn't so much just my own team. We were all behind the African teams. Mm. And I think it, it showed me not just for South Africa, where a lot of people spoke about this incredible unity and harmony across the country and just what an incredible period it was for the country to build up and to it and how much infrastructure development it brought. But then to see, you know, from Africa's side as the whole of Africa backing the supporting this, wanting to see this be successful and fans really to, to back each other. And I know that's kind of happening across games and esports across the continent. We're all, you know, over the moon as soon as a team's doing well, we support and back them. And we just want to see the continent do better and see ourselves have more opportunities. The, the, the loss of the opportunity is that there are a number of global championships that leave Africa out entirely. We don't even get a shot at it, but it's for the world, it's global, and it runs and, and leaves us out. So, so that's what we're trying to bring a, a halt to. Is as soon as you know, any organization is thinking about a, a global competition, we want to make sure there's representation from Africa and that uh, there, there, there is in, in enough interest and teams and offerings and followings that you know, we, we, we can start competing and, and start building our, our skills. But that's what we want to see, just be included in the global stuff and be given the chance because a lot of the time, we honestly, we're not. Let me ask you a question. So you have located 76% black, 15% white. Obviously, you know, everyone knows about the, you know, apartheid. And what is that like? Like, what is President Cyril, is it pronounced Cyril, Cyril or Cyril? Cyril President, yeah. Yeah, how, how is he in terms of a leader, in terms of embracing and bringing cultures together, but also, you know, embracing esports or has he embraced esports at all? Where, what is his mindset around sport and, and that and bringing culture together to, to remedy racial tensions? Yeah, so I, I think that's a good question. And there is a focus on the fourth industrial revolution, as it's termed, right? And there's a lot of talk around digital skills and jobs of the future. So that is uh, front and center. Sonoma Raposa is a, is a great, was a, a great leader in the ANC, but also was a fantastic business person when he came out of that, was involved in the business world and then, you know, went back into to politics and, and is, is now leading the ANC and, and president of the country. So he certainly has a, a vision around, you know, where the future will go and Africa's role and, and certainly fourth industrial revolution and digital jobs of the future is, is front and center. Whether we can deliver on that fast enough to catch the opportunity, that's the challenge. Mm. You know, there are legacy issues here, a lot of them ingrained from the apartheid area, bad it in, you know, poor education systems, as an example, uh, rampant corruption, unfortunately, which is holding the country back currently. So a, a number of those challenges become problematic. And, you know, we, we have great vision, but it's always hard to execute. And it's always great to have the ideas. But, you know, as you know, the game plan and the execution on that game plan is what uh, creates winners. And there are different winners emerging in Africa. South Africa, that was the, the, the leading con the country on the continent, mm -hmm. uh, has fallen off that mantle. And Nigeria is seen as, as coming to the fore and, and leading and, you know, other 
countries are now starting to 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 rise and be seen on a leadership level across the continent. And I, I think that's really great for the continent. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe it, it was a, a good scenario where South Africa was the only very industrialized, modernized, technology-centric business. I mean, sorry, a country in, in, in the continent. It needed to happen across the continent. We are seeing that that happen. And I think that'll help us all kind of up our game and really start uh, becoming a lot more focused on the execution because the opportunities here now, more than ever with COVID, you know, all COVID is really doing is amplifying and accelerating. Mm-hmm. And if you can't jump on that wave of the, the things that are coming out of it that are going to be positive for the future, uh, we're, we're losing out. And so, you know, jobs of the future right now, it, it needs to be focused on. And, and I think, you know, the government has been caught out with the lack of proper e-learning infrastructure to support, you know, learning from home that we had to do under lockdown. We had some very strict lockdown periods here. Mm-hmm. We, we've been in lockdown all the time. And schools have been delayed here again. Mm. And uh, the, the schools that are losing out are the public schools that don't have a good digital setup and ability for the kids to connect with the teachers electronically. Mm. Uh, so that's become a, a big wake-up call. And, and hopefully, you know, it gets fixed quickly. I think you can do things quickly. We've shown this with COVID, right? Things can happen really quickly. And, uh, you know, this, this needs to, to happen from the education space and leading to the jobs and then leading to the transformation and leading to the future of the country because the future of the country, we need jobs and we need opportunities. That's mm-hmm. the number one thing. With the population that we're going to you know, have on the continent, we need jobs and they can't all be local jobs. They have to be part of the global community. And you know, as I keep banging the drum, it's about games and esports being a global community and getting a job or competing for a team or playing in a competition from uh, Nigeria and, and, and having these, these, these opportunities. And, and that's why we still want to push that and and we'll certainly try and engage with any government organization and other other you know associations across the continent we do in any case to try and and, and see how to accelerate the education components of of games and esports one of the things I, i'm curious about and i kind of touched on it earlier in the conversation we i didn't get a chance to follow back up with you there's two things one we talk about you know bringing cult bringing everyone together and again, you still in, in South Africa, you know, people, you know, look at the apartheid is still residue from that. I mean, obviously there's sport music really are some of the equalizers that bring people together, which I love about Mandela. But I also love about my dear, you know, mentor, Dr. Richard Lapchick, who was very close to Nelson Mandela. He's the social conscious of sport. He does a racial and gender report card every year. Dr. Richard Lapchick, his father was the, the great Joe Lapchick, who was the original member of the Boston Celtics and then went on to coach St. John's University and then the New York Knicks. He was responsible for bringing the first black player into the NBA. And a lot of people don't, they know about Jackie Robinson, but people don't know about who, who was the first black player in the NBA. And, and his father, Dr. Lap, Richard Lapchick's dad, Joe Lapchick, actually was responsible for bringing in the first black player. And so he got a chance to see this as a young child how his father was discriminated against because he embraced the black culture and, and, and didn't succumb to discrimination practices. And now he's done that in his life. And I, he wound up mentoring me for over 25 years. And this man, he does a racial and gender report card where he they examine and grade uh, all the sports leagues and teams based on their hiring practices of women and ethnic minorities. And very, very well received and well known globally. And Mandela embraced him because in 1982, 
he and Arthur Ashe boycotted the Davis Cup. And someone came into his office and carved the word nigger lover on his stomach with some scissors. And he made national news. And Mandela heard about it. And this is 1982. And uh, Mandela embraced him immediately. And when he was freed uh, from, from, you know, from the jail, he, he, Lapchik was one of the first person that he called. They became dear friends until his death. And he actually was one of the people delivering the eulogy too, Dr. Lapchik. And so I know that, 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 that bringing culture together and bring using by using sport hat does that and my question to you is two part one how influential was your parents in terms of your mindset and your psyche in terms of you embracing cultures other cultures growing up and when you grew up in zimbabwe and how do you pass and how do you deal with that when you talk to your your child your daughter in terms of getting her to see um the good in everybody that's one part the second part is you know how do we, as a culture, begin to use esports as a mechanism, as a way to to bridge that gap? You know, and and I don't know because right now in America, it probably globally, there's a problem in terms of hiring practices, in terms of people of color and women. And after the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor death, when people saw it during during COVID, there's been a growing number of companies that have gone out of their way to try to find ways to get black people included. Like PlayStation, for example, they have black at PlayStation, the president of PlayStation. He thought it was important to have an organization like this because he wanted to know what can we do for the black people. You have companies like Riot Games, is, uh, where Angela Roseborough, they're trying to do some things there as well. So there's a number of companies that are trying to do it, but... After six months, let's look after six months and see what you're if you're really serious about it. So because we're having that challenge in America and globally as far as in, including people of color, because when I talk to a lot of my white friends that work for video game companies, a lot of times they're not their conversation is an, is an inclusivity and it's not on purpose on their part. It's just that that's how they might be thinking. So 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 the second part is how do we get more people that 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 look like that 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 are white to embrace and want to bring different cultures to the table in esports. So the first part is, what influence did your parents have on you in terms of your mindset and your psyche in terms of how you went about you know dealing with people and then how do corporations make good decisions and healthy decisions so that we can so that we can build a, a career path and ecosystem for people of color in that space. Not the easiest question to answer. Uh, we ask and, tough uh, questions here, and this is not just about esports. This is also about who you are as a human being. Because a lot of times when we talk esports, we can talk that all day long. We can talk about video games, but at the end of the day, what is your mindset? Are you inclusive? Are you creating career paths for people that don't look like you? Okay, the dominant community of people that run esports and video game companies are not black. They're not women. They're usually white men or Asian men. Okay, so what are you doing as a brand? And I have to have those conversations because if we don't have them, who will? And how do we build this ecosystem? And what better way to talk to someone who comes from from the continent of Africa, who lives currently in Johannesburg? Okay, okay, understand that and grew up in Zimbabwe. These are important discussions to have. And so I'm glad that we're able to have them. And we didn't write any of this down. We didn't even talk about this. I I encourage all of you to read. 
Okay, read, 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 get to know people from other countries, other cultures, read. When you read, you become more knowledgeable. When you become more knowledgeable, you're going to question things. Okay, not trying to talk down to my audience, just trying to keep it real with you because that's what I do. I have fun. We could talk about the Jordan ones all day long, but let's talk about let's read so we can have dialogue like this. And we can appreciate each other. And that's why I appreciate Kevin. Kevin and I have not spoken since November, December, I don't think. And this is just a real conversation. We never talked about this before. It's because I'm, I am I care. And I want you to care. And and I'm glad that Kevin is willing to have a conversation like this. So I, I, I'm very passionate about this this, this portion of, of of really creating pathways for, for people uh, of color and, and just and, 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 and women as well. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, Kevin. Just, just passionate about this. Happy, you know, it, it, it's good to have uh, the tough questions and, and you know, think about these things because often we don't get an opportunity to think about them. But recently, you know, I have had the opportunity to think about it and, and particularly towards my daughter that you kind of mentioned and the kind of future in the world that, that I, I want to see her having. So good question around my upbringing. And, and, and yes, uh, I would say, you know, absolutely family is instrumental in, you know, defining early on your kind of view around the world and, you know, society and, 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 and your role within society. I, I, I grew up and, and I am Jewish and I grew up in a small Jewish community in Harare in Zimbabwe. So I understood from an early age being a minority, a different sort of minority and no equivalence, you know, from Judaism towards, you know, anything else, but being part of a small group, a hundred families in my town that were Jewish, trying to keep uh, the synagogue going and the shul and seeing this community dwindle over time as, as people left or the community died out because the, the youth tended to leave, tended to, to move on. So early on had a, a great understanding of culture, tradition, African heritage, and being very proud to be Zimbabwean, to be coming from Zimbabwe and, and great pride in the country and, and what the country was becoming because the country coming out of a period called uh, UDI, when it was a declaration of independence and a white government kind of rule, it had a, a different form of apartheid, but it had a, a level of apartheid, but different to what South Africa did. But came out of that, and, and we had Robert Mugabe, who you know is, has a, a terrible legacy uh, and, and a dictator on, on, in, the, in the country and on the continent, but in myself growing up, had great respect and admiration for him and saw him as a Nelson Mandela character. And he was building the country and really starting to drive racial integration and racial harmony. And my years at school and uh, high school was starting to, to bridge that gap and starting to, to really bring about unity and, and harmony and, and, uh, and uh, a country that was really pulling together and being successful. And unfortunately, it all imploded very quickly. There are numerous reasons for that, but going from success and, you know, being at the breadbasket of the continent to, you know, being the... The, the basket case of the continent and uh, not being able to feed ourselves, having the highest inflation rate in the world, having $100 trillion notes and, and, and really like, you know, from, from you know, complete hero to, to zero. Mm -hmm. So it's been interesting for me to see that and, and to have experienced that and to, to still, you know, the, the thing that I say about all Zimbabweans, we all want to go home, we all want to be there, we all feel very connected to the country still. And I think that is something that has helped, as I said, very much define who I am and, and, and what, I, what, I, what I look at. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to be in the continent and I wanted to be active in the continent as an African myself. 
And that's important for me is, you know, I have opportunities to do work anywhere in the world and put that focus in other places, but I've chosen to put that energy and attention and, 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 and creativity and innovation into Africa and look at these opportunities for, for games and esports across Africa. And I'm aware of, I feel aware, and it's not something recent, but I feel aware of how the world is, has injustice built into it and how it has become much more prevalent to see it because it's been captured digitally, right? Mm -hmm. So all these things were happening before, but there were no camera phones. There was no video. There was nothing. Tape conversations, people coming out. We didn't have the evidence for people to be uh, uh, aware of how how aware it is. And why I mentioned my daughter is what's important to me is that she gets to grow up in a world that has equal opportunity for her. And I know there's discrimination and there's barriers set up for her from day one. And I'm kind of shocked as a parent because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a later parent. I mean, I recently turned 49, so I'm a, I'm a late parent. I've got a four-year-old daughter. And I, I, I probably was shocked that, you know, so many of these barriers still exist and the, the glass ceilings are still there. And we are, we're nowhere near where we should be. You know, the fact that Kamala Harris has been inaugurated today, that's, that's been a long time coming and should have been there before. And we should have had those kind of role models and we should have seen the change already. And, and I think that it's a, it's a crying shame that it, it hasn't happened to date, but I'm over the moon and excited that it's happening now and it's happening rapidly. And I think there's a, a big wake up that's taken place across the world and, and organizations of people are starting to realize um, that they need to do the right thing because it's relevant to, you know, not just themselves, because people often operate from a selfish perspective, but it's also relevant to their community, their family, and, and their company. One of the things I always said about the company that I that I had previously and the company Big Five Games now is we want to make it representative of society around us. So we can't be a company that's just white males, as an example, because in South Africa, to your point, it's 90% black, it's 10% white, it's, you know, there's a makeup of of lots of different uh, uh, people, and we want to make sure we can represent that male, female, and and racial, because I think that's how you build successful companies. I think when your company is representative of what society looks around you, you're going to be more innovative, you're going to have better products for your customers, you're going to have better uh, you know, connection with your customers. And, and that's what I think uh, needs to happen. And that's why I, I come back and I love being in the games industry because, you know, a lot of people don't think women play games. Women mm-hmm. play games as much as men do. No question about it. You know, we're equal, if not more, in certain games, right? So, you know, that that's, uh, you know, gives us great equilibrium. Um, uh, a female gamer can be as competitive as a, as a male gamer. There is there is no barrier to the success and the uh, ability to achieve that you might have in other sports and how other sports have separated men and women. You know, WNBA, NBA. So, you know, we, we've got something unique here in this games kind of space that we can we can really, from a gender perspective, a gender area as well as obviously racial area, make it representative and and give those opportunities and. You know, I think how, how do people do that? You need to accelerate uh, what was going to happen before. So if your board was going to be, you know, 50% female, 50% male, that was an intention to do in five years, do it in a year. Mm. Just make it happen. Make the hard calls. Start doing that. Use this this time now that COVID has brought about that, you know, for a lot of people, they didn't think there's a tomorrow, right? A lot of people, sky's falling on our head. This is the end of the world. There's no tomorrow. Well, there's a tomorrow where the sky's not falling on our head, but, you know, take advantage of what needs to be done and opportunities. 
And I would urge every single father that's out there with a daughter specifically that understands the barriers and, you know, the sexism that exists out there to try and break that down, to give their daughter the, the same opportunity that they had in, in life. Absolutely. And, and it's funny um, you say that because when I was in graduate school at UMass Amherst, I did my master's in sport management at University of Massachusetts at Amherst. It's uh, regarded as the number one sport management school in the world. And I was privileged to go there. And I had 30, it was 30 of us, counting me as 30, my classmates, I think it was 14 women and and, uh, 16 men. And this is in 1997 to 1999, I was in school. And I remember most of my classmates, you know, they were former student athletes and came from really large schools. And it was interesting listening to the perspective of my male classmates when it came to Title IX. A good 85, 90% were against it. Uh, and they thought that, you know, Title IX was taking away from the, the you know, the power of, you know, the sports like basketball and football. And I was listening to them and they would always be debating my female classmates. And I would be, I, would, I, would always, I wouldn't say come to the rescue, but I always would, would side with the women that were focused on Title IX. And about 75% of my male classmates have daughters now. And their perspective is so different now <laughs> when it comes to Title IX. You, you, you look at the world differently when you look at through your, your children's eyes. And I'm glad I had a daughter to, to open that, that kind of view. But I, I was aware of that view as well because my, my wife has you know, a, a, been very successful in, in, in her career from a work perspective and is a power executive in, in, a, in a big listed company here and, and you know, has an admirable kind of role and, and a leadership position that, that she fulfills. So I've been fortunate to experience that from, from my wife's side. But... Again, from, from my daughter, you know, I'm aware of where those, those, those obstacles and barriers are, and I hope they'll be removed. And as such, I relate them very much, also coming from South Africa, that it's on the racial side. Mm-hmm. And that I'm not blind to that. That needs to be you know, remedied and, and, and adjusted. And we've seen a lot more of that now. And, and hopefully we move into a different time where there's, there's better realization of, of these things and, and you know, people start, uh, start appreciating you know, as I say, that I think COVID maybe gave could give people this kind of push, right? That it's, right. you know, the world almost ended. You know, so what are you going to do about it now? Right, right. <laughs> you know, one of the things we talked about, and uh, we're running out of time, but I definitely want to have you back on. Would you be willing to come back and, and share some more? Sure. We, I remember the last time we talked, the only the time we talked, we did the conference. We were talking about careers, and I brought in uh, Miori Pickett, the young lady who is Miss Miss Florida Memorial. And we're now starting next, next, we're going to be starting this semester, this esports masterclass finally. And the esports, and, and we talked, you, you say short term that you were looking for the stories from, you know, esports athletes, a curriculum. Well, we're going to be recording this. We have a company, Steve, Stephen Henrik and his company and his wife, they do documentaries. They're going to be capturing our masterclass. So it's going to be the first, the last Saturday of every month, beginning in January. We did one in January on the 30th. We have the, the ones in, in February. The dates, and let me make sure I have the right dates for it so people can know about this. So it'll be January. The last Saturday will be the 30th. The Saturday, the 27th of, of February, March 27th of March, and then April uh, 23rd, April 30th, uh, we'll have, you know, so we'll be every, every, every month that we do it. We're going to bring a major company associated with esports and video games. They're going to come and talk about the ecosystem. 
and we'll have five students, five of my ambassadors, including Miori, they will be captains and they will choose students based on what they know about the students. And we also have eight other young people that are middle school students from the Crockett Foundation. They are, they're coding, they do, you know, gaming. Young people, middle school students, there eight of them have been chosen to participate. So they're going to come every every Saturday as well of every month and they will be part of the team and then they will compete. They will be given an assignment and then they have to go for two hours and put the, a presentation together and then they present it to us and the winning team gets an internship or an experience with this company. And we'll be capturing on video, even though we've, we shoot it for six hours, we're going to narrow it down to seven minutes. So it'll be a seven minute web series that we can send, send to everyone. So parents can now see that this is not just about playing the game. Parents can now see that this is another unique and innovative approach to education where their children are going to be learning. They're going to be using their their, their creativity. They're going to be using their ability to communicate with people in other groups, people that they don't know. They also get a chance to learn how to write and think and uh, speak on their feet, so to speak, because in corporate America, they're going to be challenged to do these kind of things. And so I wanted to give the young people, even though they're not graduate students, an opportunity to see what graduate students would do, like a seminar series Kind of a course, and we wanted to be innovative and different. And then now we can, we have this package where we now can disseminate it internationally as well as as well as domestically to educate parents and educators and students about what the opportunities could possibly be, and the fact that we're going to be giving away over 20, 20 plus internships this this spring is, is is exciting. And so we'd love to see if we can do something similar like that in Johannesburg, because I obviously if I'm going to do something, I want to do it with you first and, and that in the continent. And so let's, let's talk about how we can create something like that for short term in the future so that we can begin this dialogue and, and continue to keep moving, moving the needle. Yeah. We welcome the opportunity. Sounds very interesting. And the opportunity again, not just for South Africa, but we can do this cross Africa and, and try and bring in the, the cross Africa kind of collaboration. Mm-hmm. So for sure, we, we, we would love to participate in anything that you're creating. It would be welcome here and, and we would look to share and distribute as, as best we could. Mm-hmm. And it'll make a difference. It'll, it'll make a, a, there'll be a, an amplification of whatever you're doing over there uh, across into another continent and wherever further you, you can take that. And so, you know, our brother Kofi, Kofi, so don't think that I'm just talking to Kevin only. This is for you, too. So don't think, oh, Mark, I introduced you to every. No, I, I got you, Kofi. I love you, brother. But we will we will work together. I promise you. But we've got to make this happen. I'm going to get you on the show soon, Kofi. Don't don't forget. I haven't forgotten you, brother, because you you connected the dots here and you made this happen. So I always give credit where credit is due. And my friends, all the time when you meet people, don't 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 act like it's about you. OK, you didn't get here alone. We, we've got here because. Because of other people, okay? Obviously, God created us, but we got here because other people believed in us, okay? And before Kevin goes, I, I started this yesterday with Davina Mackey. She's at, at, at PlayStation. She's also the president of Black Black at PlayStation, and I got to connect you to her. I think she'll be very instrumental in terms of some of the things you want to do in South Africa with her. But I began asking people, begin asking people, I'm going to be asking people uh, a networking tip that you can provide a young person, because a lot of times we tell young people to 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 go out and network. And what, what does that really mean? And uh, what would you say is your number one networking tip that you could provide a young person to help them on the, in their journey of getting to know people? So I would say be more interested in, in the person you're talking to than, than yourself and, and show that genuinely and uh, 
be warm towards them and and, and really take in anything they say and, and listen to what they're saying. I, I had a, a mentor uh, some time back that was out of Ireland and he said in Ireland there was a saying, you know, you've got one of these and two of these, you know, one mouth, two ears, double the listening, he said, you should be doing. So I think that's an important uh, tip that I would give anyone from networking. So really listen to people that are talking to you or, or sharing, focus on what they're saying and, and take in and, and make use of that information as best you can. One mouth, two ears, double the listening. I love that. I'm going to use that one. I like that one. Okay. How did you, I mean, how, yeah, I know you and I, we, like I said, we were kindred spirits when we first met, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a great conversation the first time I met you. How did you feel about it, it being, the roles being reversed? I, I got a chance to talk to you, interview you, ask you questions. How did you feel about the content and how we delivered here today? I enjoyed it thoroughly. So, you know, I, I welcome this opportunity when we first spoke where we, we asked you to participate with you being reciprocal and saying, come join in, in something that I'm doing and start kind of building that 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 link to, to Africa and across to the States and what you're doing. So we, we're doing that physically now or virtually rather mm-hmm. and it started. And, and you know, I, I think that this is this is the way to go. So I appreciate the questions being asked and the interest that you have in what's actually happening over here. You know, to your point earlier, a lot of people don't know. They're not interested. They don't care. You know, you do. You you you, you care. You're interested. You, you want to see development. You have a history from your family of appreciating the continent and, you know, where the continent has come from and where the continent is going. And we need partners and we need supporters across the world. And you're one of them and, and we need more. Because, you know, we're not afraid to ask for help. And, and we know that when it comes to games and esports, the rest of the world is ahead of us. So everyone can help us and, you know, progress our conversation and add more information. You know, when we did our careers there, we had a missing element that you fulfilled perfectly, which was we wanted to talk around what was happening in, in esports and gaming at universities. And you brought that to the table because we didn't actually have that as far as a, a speaker, as part of the panel we were doing on, on the education space. So... So that's the role and the opportunity that uh, you, yourself, your colleagues, your industry can can bring to us. And we're open to to partner and, and share. And I don't think we're like maybe other continents, you know, Asia would look and say, we're really advanced in the space. We're doing well. Europe's doing their own thing is we're open for help, support and collaboration and partnerships. And, and that'll help the continent grow and, and rise. And, and that's what everyone's interested in. It's not just my country, but the continent. Yes, amen. And, and 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 while you are while you say you need help, it's we're we're in that predicament here at historically black colleges. Uh, even though I'm someone who may be more advanced than a lot of the people at other universities, not just HBCUs, but in general, I decided to come to an HBCU because I knew that we we were not represented and that we needed to have a voice at the table. And we we clearly have a voice now, and I'm I'm happy. As I said, the esports observer, thank you, esports observer, and Kevin and all the guys at esports observer, thank you. They listed their top five stories of the year. And I, and when what we've done, we came in at number two globally in terms of the, the top five stories of the year. Very uh, proud of that. And and a lot of it has to do with uh, the conversations we've had with, with you and the work we've done with creating the eSports, our league, our Alliance League with my associate commissioner, Rod Chappelle. 
And I'm working with Collegiate Star League, Wim Stocks, and Neil Duffy. Thank you so much for all of that. And we're just going to continue to go. And the most importantly, got a shout out to Florida Memorial University, HBCU, South Florida, President Hardrick for bringing me to the campus and believing in me, my fraternity brother, my dear fraternity brother, my alpha brother. Yes. And he's also the same fraternity as Dr. Martin Luther King and Thurgood Marshall. So we're very proud to be part of that lineage. And I also have to thank the provost, Dr. Adrian Cooper, who's the provost who, 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 who told me that it was more important to focus on STEM. And she got me thinking about STEM more than ever, even though my doctorate's in education and my master's in sport management and I have an MBA. She said, Mark is STEM because it's not just science, not my math and not just engineering. It's technology, Mark. It's the technology. Listen to that. And so thank you for that. And then being able to embrace this master class and having great students like Miss Florida Memorial, Miori and AJ and Tadre, Dominic and LaCarla as my ambassadors. And uh, I'm so excited because we're going to be able to share and learn from other cultures, but we're going to take this to South Africa. We're going to take this to the continent of Africa, where we're going to take our master class and the knowledge that we've gained and, and learned, and we're going to bring our relationships like the Playstations of the world, Collegiate Star Leagues, to our brothers and sisters in Africa as well. So our relationships are your relationships. That's how we're going to look at this. So Kevin, thank you for taking the time to speak to us today, to share your life, your family, your culture with the Dr. Mark's master class audience. I, I would say, if I can hear you, give this brother a round of applause, but I would put that sound of applause microphone. Ah, yeah. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. And uh, we didn't plan that. We just, we got to give a shout out to the brother. But as you know, you've been listening to the Esports Future Eye Podcast Network. Yes, it is the largest and biggest podcast network for esports in the world. And we could not have done it without the father, the the RZA, the head. Listen, I want you to look at this, Kevin. Wu-Tang Clan. Look up Wu-Tang Clan and listen to the music. If you listen to the hip hop and there's a guy in the group called the RZA, he's the head. Okay. That's what I love. Wu-Tang Clan is one of my favorite hip hop groups of all time. So Jacob Miles III, that is his name. He is not the first, not the second, but Jacob Miles III. He is the, the, the architect. He is the RZA. He is the head of all of this. So we thank him for that. We also thank Innovation Media Enterprises, Sia and Aaron, two women, somebody, people you should meet. You've already met some of them emailing you already, Kevin, but Sia and Aaron are two women that have their own podcasting company. They, they, they make me look good. Okay. What they do is they, they edit, they produce, they book my talent. They, 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 they disseminate my information on all social media platforms from Amazon to, to Google to everything to, it's just amazing what they've done. And again, we don't give credit and maybe pay homage to women. So I pay homage to, to Aaron and Sia. Thank you so much for creating innovation media enterprises. And last but not least, I got to thank my man, AJ on the wheels of steels, the ones and twos. No, he's not the DJ, but he's an architect behind the, how he sound. He's the sound engineer. So thank you so much, AJ brother, for everything you've done. And again, uh, we are looking forward to another great edition of Dr. Mark's Masterclass. We will see you soon. But remember, remember what Kevin said. Kevin said, double the listening, okay? Double the listening. Get to know people. And remember, you can't control anyone but yourself, and you can control three things, what you think, what you do, and what you say. Remember that. You can control three things, what you think, what you do, what you say. God bless you. And remember to continue to practice social distancing, my friend. Wear that mask, practice social distancing, wash those hands, and respect people's values and respect people's health. Respect your health. Save the country. Save your continent. Save your humanity. We've got to do that. Wear your mask, please. Please, please do that. God bless you all. See you soon. Peace. 
Thanks for listening to Dr. Mark's Masterclass. I pray you enjoyed yourself today. I had a good time. I don't know about you, but this podcast is part of the Esports Futurewide Podcast Network and is produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and let us know how we're doing by leaving a comment or a review. Class dismissed. Class dismissed.